You're listening to The Guest of Horror, and on this week's episode, we pack our bags and go to Italy. Welcome to the Guest of Horror. I am your host, Boris. On each episode of this podcast, I introduce you to someone within the horror community that I think is worth getting to know. The guest for this episode is Josh from the YouTube channel Movie Timelines. He's currently sitting at around 40,000 subscribers on YouTube, and he's got a Patreon page that is really popping. Uh, I invited Josh because I had this feeling that he would pick a really interesting movie. I, I never talked to him before. I, I've just seen his YouTube channel. And uh, luckily he said yes. And, and he did pick a really interesting movie. Tonight's movie is Cemetery Man. And it's an Italian uh, zombie surrealist thing from the 90s. We, we get into it and we talk... Uh, a bit about spoilers, but I think this is one of those movies where even if you haven't seen it, uh, you will be able to listen to the spoiler conversation without really missing too much. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things you can sort of read into this movie. It has a lot of um, surrealist imagery and things like that. So I don't think the experience will be ruined for you if you've heard some of the stuff that happens in the film. But just to be clear, we do give a spoiler warning when we get into that stuff. And uh, as for Josh himself, I'll uh, let him explain what he does on YouTube uh, right about now. All right, I am here with Josh from the YouTube channel Movie Timelines. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, No problem. Thank you for having me. Could you... Explain what you do on YouTube. I think your YouTube, <laughs> yeah, your 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 channel name is pretty uh, descriptory. It but. is like a good like capsule of it, but it, I don't think I, I do think it. I often have to explain what it is because it is strange. Because I I take whole series of movies, like an entire franchise, and I watch them back to back. And what I try to do is I try to put them in a context with each other of a timeline of, okay, so this movie takes place like the day after the last one, or this movie came out five years later, but it takes place later that night, you know? So just trying to figure out how much time goes by in between each entry and also what changes, like, did they make any massive continuity changes? And I'm not talking about like, like, oh, this character's wearing a different shirt. You know, I mean, it's like, well, this guy was able to be killed by sunlight, but now he's not. I've seen your YouTube channel for, uh, I mean, I don't know, like probably four years at least. And I've, I've sort of watched your channel evolve. And, and now you have some, you have other shows as well. Yes. Yeah. There's essentially four shows. Uh, it's, there's the timelines, which are a show. Uh, I do a, a show called Unanswered Questions, where I talk about either a single movie or a franchise, where I talk about uh, questions that the that the movies have left unanswered, and I try to come up with answers for them. Uh, then I do just some nice list things, as I'll come up with a theme, and I'll find a bunch of movies that fit that list. But then uh, my favorite show is Dead Last, where we either come up with a franchise or a series of interrelated movies, and I ask all of my patrons to send me rankings and then I come up with an aggregate 
ranking because I've seen yank ranking shows on YouTube, but it's always just one person's ranking. And I, I wanted to see if he took a whole bunch of rankings and came up with an aggregate score, what would be considered the best? Yes, Dead Last is a great show. I, I watch it, and uh, I was going to say get furious. I don't really get furious, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sometimes I sometimes I get furious though. I'll get the rankings, and I'll be like, I'll be like, oh my god, no! Please don't let that movie win. Please don't let that one win. Exactly. Or <laughs> a lot of the time, I'm like, wait. That's the, at the bottom. Wait, this other one is so much worse. Well, it's always funny in the comments because I often get accused, and like people will make comments about like, oh, well, you know, that's just because of this one being popular, or whatever, like that, or you just chose that. And I'm like, like I, I didn't choose them. I, I, this isn't me deciding this. This is a whole bunch of people. Like my versions of the list would be probably way different, but I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like a conspiracy to me. <laughs> Just from watching your channel, I can tell that you have a pretty deep knowledge about horror. That's something I always look for in like creators that I follow. Like if I can tell that, oh, these people, they know more than me. <laughs> like I have something to learn here. I mean, you're constantly, I feel like because you're you're kind of doing a lot of content where you're referencing or, or talking about different movies. I feel like you're always throwing me some like deep cut that I haven't heard about. Um, how did you get into this stuff? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess I have to go way back because uh, I used to be very, very scared of, of scary stuff and, and horror movies. And I can actually pinpoint the moment that things turned around for me. And it was because I was like a teenager. I was like 15 or 16 years old or something. And I wouldn't even watch anything i wouldn't even watch friday the 13th nothing um and my uncle uh showed me a video a video cassette uh as they were back in the day uh and it was called tom savini's scream grades volume one and it was a sort of a documentary about tom savini and how he made special effects and i sat back and i watched it and i was fascinated like oh my god that's this this is like magic tricks and from that point on, whenever I would watch a horror movie, it no longer became, this is scary. This is this scary thing. Oh my goodness. What if this thing comes to get me? And it turned into, oh, how did they do that? Is that a guy behind the wall? Is that like a suit? What's going on with that? And from that moment on, I became very interested. Uh, the special effects aspect are what really sucked me into it. But then, you know, start falling down the rabbit hole of horror and you know, so many great things. It's interesting to go back and like think about how much of a rock star Tom Savini was. That that's the weird thing is is that I I don't think that uh, a lot of people realize that like the, some of these special effects guys were essentially rock stars. You know, back in back in the day, where you had all these big names, and it's not really like that anymore. Uh, I mean, those guys are still working and they're still out there, but they, but they're in a whole different world now where they're basically sculpting and designing and then they take those designs and turn them into uh, computer graphics, which is not as cool in my opinion. Um, although I, I, I'm not like completely anti CGI cause I think CGI helps in some situations. Um, I, I like when people use CGI to enhance effects, uh, but when they rely on CGI to be the effect, I don't know if it works as well. Well, right. Isn't that the, the thing of like a good CGI? You never notice it, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think too many people are out there going like, oh, the, the effects in that The Thing remake they did. Oh, that sequel they did. No, they're, they're great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. And and I, I have, uh, um, you know, one of my good friends, uh, one of the guys that's on Dead Last worked on The Thing remake and did a lot of the 
practical effects. Like he designed a lot of the practical effects that were covered over that they went over with CGI. Uh, so, and he has pictures and some cool behind the scenes stuff of like the stuff they never used. And it's just like, God, why didn't they use that? Yeah. I can't imagine how frustrating that must be <laughs> to work on that stuff and then have it be covered up. Yeah. You mentioned Savini, right? But what are some of the first like movies, horror movies that you had like a connection to? I think one of the things that I definitely remember the most were the zombie movies, uh, the Romero zombie movies. I had a big, strong connection to those because of where I grew up. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, I used to work in the mall that Dawn of the Dead was set in. Um, so I felt a very strong connection to those movies because it felt local to me. Um, especially like going to the mall and like seeing those, like going to work and walking by the locations every day and saying like, oh, that's where that guy was shot and this and that. Uh, it, it had an effect on me and I, that it connected me to those movies a little bit more. And even like even today, uh, my mom moved and she now lives uh, about five minutes away from the cemetery where the original Night of the Living Dead, uh, the beginning happens. So we, we go to see that. So I, I feel a very, those were, I think some of the first ones I really felt like invested in uh, that, that were really important. Um, and strangely, uh, a weird other one was uh, the Peter early Peter Jackson films, because I remember going to the video store and just grabbing whatever looked crazy. And there was this weird one called bad taste. And I'm like, what's this all about? And just thinking it was like the wildest thing I'd ever seen. And, uh, and uh, just following his career, and I can't believe uh, Peter Jackson is my like my story of like oh I I liked that band before they were famous. That like he, he Peter Jackson is my story that's like that because I'm like I'm like oh my god I've been watching his movies since the very first one, um, and it, that's like my 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 hip my my movie hipster. Yeah, moment. well that was the magic of the video store, right? You either got bad taste or you got like Rumpelstiltskin. Yes, yeah, I know. I I I, I miss that vibe of like walking in there and just like i don't know what this is but this cover looks ridiculous let's give it a shot <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um just some quick questions about your um your longest running series which is the timelines mm -hmm. um is there any timeline that you can think of that made a surprising amount of sense the timeline that always surprises me more than anything else is saw i'm not a huge fan of the saw movies content wise they're not my favorite movies to watch um but for some reason whenever i end up re-watching the saw movies for the channel or something along those lines i'm always kind of drawn in I'm because because of the timeline aspect because the, the way that they have it like interweaving stories going back and forth and they're going back into history and then forward and all around you're gonna have this pretty complex interweaving story and i'm always surprised at how well it actually holds up like they did a really good job with like laying all that out and being like, this is when all this stuff happens. It, it fell apart when they got to like Jigsaw. But uh, but the, the those first seven movies actually have a really solid timeline that makes a ton of sense. And uh, that's always shocking to me. All right. So then there's the opposite of that. What's the messiest timeline or like hard hardest video to make? Oh, well. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of them that have such horror, such, such messy time. Because there's because there's different aspects of messy. Because you have like the Texas Chainsaw movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies that are messy because it's like every single movie reboots it. Uh, there's really there's really no two uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies in a row that are a series. I mean, it's like nine movies 
but it's like seven different continuities. So I mean, that's that's a crazy mess. Uh, and then you've got the the Friday, the, the, but the weirdest one is always going to be Friday the Thirteenth, and the Friday the Thirteenth will always be the weirdest because they did like six or seven different movies uh, where they just had these strange time jumps where it's just like the movie came out one year after the previous movie. But then they're like five years ago. And it's like, whoa, we're five years later. And then, you know, they, they show a little girl and then they cut to her as an adult. It's just like, oh, my God, we just jumped. We just jumped 10 years for no reason. Uh, and they do that a lot to the point where, like, they were having movies come out in the late 80s that would have had to have taken place in, like, the early 2000s. And it's just strange. That will always be the weirdest one. Okay, I rewatched some of the Omen sequels lately. Yes. Just oh uh, God, <laughs> that's a that's a, oh, the Omen is another one. It's like what? Thankfully, there's only four of those, so it doesn't get too intense. But there's another one of just like yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's like oh, it's 1974, and he, you have this little kid that's four years old, and then you cut to the next movie, and it's like. 1978 but he's 14 years old and it's like right and then it's like five years the five years later another movie comes out but he's like in his 30s it's really weird that that's another one it's very strange yes (laughs) well to do these timelines right you have to rewatch a lot of these like franchises these big like temple franchises within horror uh do you have a favorite franchise and has your opinion on that changed while doing these timelines um the answer to that is no uh i I do have a favorite franchise and my opinion on it has never changed um and my favorite franchise is the evil dead um it and my opinion of it has never changed because it is a franchise that i really enjoy every single entry um and i rewatched it uh just Last month, I rewatched it in order to do an uh, an unanswered questions video on it. Plus, it was the 40th anniversary. I said, might as well rewatch all the Evil Dead movies. Um, And it still holds up. I still love every single minute of every single one of those movies. The remake is good. I I, I don't necessarily consider it like as a part of the franchise, but it, I mean, it's a good, it's a decent movie. Um, But man, that, that's, will always be uh it will always be my favorite overall friend not my favorite overall movie but my favorite overall franchise right that's a good that's a good answer are you an evil dead 2 guy picking a favorite evil dead movie is like asking somebody what your favorite kid is i love them all it's like <laughs> okay. my my favorite evil dead movie is the one i've just watched <laughs> fair enough, fair so enough. if i if i just watched army of darkness it's like that's my favorite i love that so much and then if I go back and watch the first one, like I saw the first one in the theaters on the 40th anniversary, and I was like, oh my God, that's the best one. It's so good. Uh, so it's just, it's it's so hard to pick. And Evil Dead 2 is, I mean, again, it, it's, each one is a masterpiece for their own little, for their own little merits. Yeah, for sure. This is the first time we're talking about an Italian movie on this podcast, and I certainly don't think it will be the last. What is your relationship to Italian horror. Do you like it? How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, well, I've, I'm, I'm part Italian. I got a little Italian in me. Um, and so, and, and I love schlock and what the Italians do best is make these fun, schlocky horror movies that they're silly and they're goofy, but then they can, but then they, they can become serious very quickly. And like, it actually works. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love that stuff. I mean, obviously you, you have to love early Dario Argento. I feel like he really 
made he really elevated those early movies, uh, especially with like Suspiria and things and Tenebrae were just like these great little mystery and like sci- like supernatural thrillers. And then you've got the Fulci side, which is like the, the sleazier, like weirder side of things. And that stuff is fascinating. And then I myself, because I love weird ripoff movies, I'm like really into the whole Bruno Mattei, like weird. Uh, let's make our own version of Terminator kind of movies. It's like there's so many fun avenues of Italian horror that to, to get into. And it's just uh, always fascinating. Yeah, it seems to me like Italian horror is almost like this rite of passage for every horror fan. Like you, you, when you've seen Friday the 13th, you've seen Halloween, you've seen all these like American movies or, or, or in sometimes UK ones. And then it's like, all right, you want to see some real shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like it's going down a road. Right. Um, and I mean, I remember watching like many uh, horror fans i think my first one was suspiria and i'm watching that one i'm like what the hell am i watching italian horror sort of has its own language and you've learned to speak it over time uh that language is also dubbed (laughs) (laughs) i know it's it's always so strange because like when i was younger i always just assumed i'd like i didn't know i always assumed the italian movies were shot in italian and when i was watching them they were overdubbed by english and then you found out much later it's like no they were talking in english they just shot their movies with no sound and then did all the audio later because it was cheaper to do it and it was just like oh okay that's really weird but i love it right like when i started watching i was like looking at audio tracks and i'm like am i on the wrong audio track like something's weird here <laughs> you know and it's like no it's just like that yeah but yeah the movie we'll be uh discussing today is cemetery man or as the italian title is della morte dell'amore which is a way better title it's such a such a good title <laughs> good mouthfeel on that title could you set the movie up if that's possible <laughs> um and and uh tell us why you picked it yeah, uh, I'll start with why I picked it because I mean, this is it, this is a movie that has really been in the back of my brain for like for such a such a long time. I saw this movie uh, basically when it came out. Uh, I got a uh, I, was, I used to trade uh, bootleg video cassettes a long time ago with a couple of guys, and uh, the guy sent me this tape. Uh, it was Delamorte Delamore, and I was watched it. and I just fell in love because he's like, "Yeah, it's Italian zombies, but it's really out there." Um, and I just fell in love with it. And then like nine months later, they released it in the U.S. as Cemetery Man. And I actually got to go see it in a movie theater. And I just remember, uh, even though I had watched it like four times at home on video cassette, I just remember sitting there in a movie theater just being like so enraptured by this movie because it is it's sort of a sucker play. Uh, I, the only way I could really compare it to is it's a similar kind of like bait and switch sort of to like from dust till dawn where it's like you feel like you're watching one sort of movie but then all of a sudden it just becomes something else so della morte della more is presumably about a man that works in a cemetery and each night uh some of the zombies it's like they, they will bury somebody and then a few days later that person will come back to life as a zombie and he just makes it his job to kill them again and that's sort of how the movie starts, and it sort of follows that plot line through a portion of it. But then it just starts to go down this avenue of surrealism, um, because the movie's called Della Morte Della More, which is of death and of love. And so you get these series of like weird vignettes of uh, zombie-related things, but then also this recurring love story that he has uh, with with a woman that keeps reappearing in different forms. Um, 
and then he becomes a murderer. It's like very strange twists uh, that make very little sense. And I don't necessarily think that they're intended to. And you just start to realize like halfway through that the, the movie you're watching is not the movie that you thought you were. And it just always, it's always really uh, pulled me in. I think the first time I watched, I certainly did not dislike this movie the first time I watched it, but I think I went in with like the wrong expectations because I had seen some other films by the same director, um, Mikhail Suave. How do you how would you pronounce that? I was actually uh, made fun of on a recent video because of how I pronounced his name, but I always presumed that it was Michel Sovi. Okay, um, but uh, but somebody said I was mispronouncing it, but they did not correct me on how it should be pronounced, so I don't quite know. All right, <laughs> well, this director, um, yes. he made one one of my favorite slashers called Stage Fright, mm-hmm. which is great. It's like a great. Um, one location uh, movie, uh, great slasher. And then I, after that, I decided, okay, well, I should probably watch some of his other stuff. I watched The Church, which is like a demonic, um, it's, it was written to be a sequel to Demons. Yeah. It was written as Demons Free. Um, but then they sort of changed it. But it has very much that Demons DNA. It feels like Demons, yeah. Yes, and it's a, it, like Demons is the first one is in a is in a, a, a movie theater. The second one's in an apartment building, if I'm correct, and then yes. the third the third one is in like the church, and 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 the, uh, they re- they rewrote it, and it just became the, the church. So the the movies I had seen of him were all like were pretty derivative of other Italian stuff. Yes, um, uh, of like. Oh, you know, a slasher giallo type of thing, and then a, a, a demonic possession uh, thing. And then I watched this movie, and I'm expecting like a Fulci zombie movie, and what I'm getting is like not that at all. Yes. Uh, and and so, I, I mean, I, I don't remember like saying, oh, this movie was bad. That's not, but I was just, I was just very perplexed by the end of it. And I'm like, okay. And then it just, you know, it was a movie I watched and it kind of went to the back of my mind. And then it's been, I've been sort of thinking about it more and more recently. Um, so I, I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, I think if you're not expecting it, if you're not prepared for what you're going to get from uh, De La Morte, De La More, I, I don't know uh, if, you, especially if you are, if you're like buckled in, ready to watch a zombie movie, you're, I think you're going to walk away being like, what? What, why did I just watch that? What did I just do here? Uh, I think if you, I think if somebody like gives you a little bit of lead in ahead of time, especially on it, that, that I feel like it will uh, deliver a little bit more, especially if like you even just set them up to be like, yeah, dude, there's some, there's going to be a couple twists. I, I feel like that's all you kind of need to know going yes. into this one. So. <laughs> yes, because I was, yeah, because the first time I was watching it, I was watching this surrealist thing and I didn't re- even realize until. 50 minutes in that like, oh, this this, (laughs) subtext is happening. You know, at that point, I had already missed so much. It's just there's nothing quite like this movie. No. Um, You know, it's it's almost like 50 percent like Italian horror and like 50 percent David Lynch. Like, I don't know, but that's not even a good comparison either. Yeah. Um, But it does make sense. Like there's uh, I actually do compare it. I I think a David Lynch uh, comparison makes a little bit more sense. Than you think, because I do think that like David Lynch, I I don't necessarily feel as if there is a deeper meaning. Like sometimes I feel like David Lynch's movies are surreal for the sake of surrealism. 
And a lot of people actually go into De La Morte, De La More or Cemetery Man, and they do want to prescribe a meaning behind it all and figure out what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Where I am more along the lines of it, it, I don't necessarily feel as if it does actually mean anything. I think it is just some surrealism and to enjoy. I feel like there are some things you can draw from it. I think you can draw a personal uh, meaning to it. But I do feel as if, like Lynch, uh, the surrealism is 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 very open to interpretation. Yes, because I was thinking about it today um, before doing this show. And I'm like, man, I could read this movie in so many ways. I was thinking about it in one way of like, you know, American horror, you, all, you can pretty much draw this line between like uh, uh, Psycho, Halloween, and then Scream. I'm oversimplifying things here, but... Right, like all, like that line that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like with this movie, it's almost like you could draw a line between you know the early like Mario Bava stuff, like Black Sabbath, to Suspiria, to then this movie, where it's like this movie feels like I feel like I could read it in a bit that it's like almost commentary commentary on the like surrealism and things that doesn't make sense within Italian horror because that's something like. When I watch Italian horror, I just sit down and just let it wash over me. Like, I'm not thinking about what the what the plot is here, because chances are, you know, it, it, like Giallos, for example, there are murder mysteries where, like, the mystery doesn't make sense yeah. yes. <laughs> most yeah. of the time. And, and I feel like that is the best way to watch uh, a movie like that, is especially the Italian movies. It's like, I, I've, I myself, I very rarely sit down to try to figure out what is the the deeper meaning behind it all. Um, Cause I, I also, I don't know. Are you familiar with some of the theories of what Della Morte de la More is about? Um, I n- no. enlighten me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we, we're going into spoiler territory here. So yes. I, guess, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, so I suppose that like, I suppose that uh, if anyone is listening, does not want some spoilers. This part may be there, but um, there are people that believe um, that the entire movie uh, is simply the fabrication of the Franco character and that he is in the hospital in the coma um, and he had just killed his wife and daughter um, and he has gone into a coma and the whole movie is um, a battle in his mind of him trying to sort through his issues and mental issues that he has with women and with life um, while on a precipice of um dying uh which is what they they think the ending means i myself do not like that interpretation i actually do not agree with it um i think that there's a lot of things in the movie that contradict that whole interpretation i I think it's a valid interpretation i don't have any problems with it Uh, i just don't agree with it but uh, that that's one of the things people put into it and I, i i like to go in and more just think it's a story of francesco della morte and all these bizarre things that happened to him (laughs) If you watch it with that theory in mind, I will say that there's a couple of things in the movie that happen to make you go, oh, okay, I see why people think that. Um, but then there's other things in the movie that you go, well, that kind of blows that theory. So <laughs> Right. And that, that that's kind of what I thought about when I was going through, like, oh, okay, what, what does this movie actually mean? Like, I was going through that in my head, and then immediately I came, came back to, like, oh, okay, well, this doesn't make sense because of this and this and this that happened in the movie. So... You know, I might agree with you that, like, I there are certainly things that happen, especially, you know, the last, like, we're in full spoiler, spoiler territory, so it's fine. Uh, the last line of the movie being Francesco um, 
you know, now he can't speak. Which, right? which, which I always think is funny though, because it is, because uh, I have, I have also seen people discuss that online is that they switched speaking patterns and that he can now only say, yeah, but we don't really know that. We only see him say it one time. He may have just been saying it that one moment to humor him. Uh, for myself, I've always kind of, uh, my interpretation of that, um, and again, even not like a deeper meaning thing, but the whole movie, Francesco, um, doesn't listen to Nagi. Nagi basically sort of tries to talk reason to him um, in his own little way. And Francesco ignores him. And Francesco basically calls the shots throughout the movie. Like He pretty much tells Nagi what to do, how to do it. And when Nagi tries to do something another way, he doesn't want to. And I think the ending of the movie, Nagi finally speaking his mind and saying, can you just take me home? And he agrees. Um, it's the first time of him acknowledging that that Nagi probably knows more than him, uh, which, which I kind of, you know, it's a small thing, but I liked it. One of my favorite little minor characters in the movie is Mrs. Caramundo, who is the old woman that is constantly visiting the cemetery. And he's very dismissive of her. He's kind of rude to her. Um, you know, he hardly has any time for her whatsoever until turns out that she's passed away and he sees her grave and he has a moment where he's very sad and thinks of her as one of the good ones and how nice she was and it's this weird little moment of uh, you didn't appreciate her when she was alive but now that she's dead and i think that that even contributes to that ending of him suddenly appreciating uh the fact that nagi is alive um and appreciating his life i, I don't know again i'm trying to <laughs> trying to put meaning behind a movie that I don't necessarily think was meant that meaning. Right. Um, because I think while watching it, like there's enough, it doesn't have like the crazy lighting of a lot of like Argento films or, or, or Baba films, but it is a really beautiful film. Stunningly beautiful. The amount of like things that are just blowing in the wind, like dead leaves and, and um, dust and, and, and the, the, uh, Ah, uh, they set the sign of the the uh, the cemetery and everything. Like it's a it's a mood. Yes, yeah. Well, and one thing that I do know as well too, I've never read the actual because the movie is based on a novel. Um, I've never read the novel because it does not exist in an English form. It's only in Italian, um, so I haven't been able to read it. But I've been able to read some synopsises, and the novel does give some additional information. And one of the bits of information is that uh, the reason why the dead are coming back to life are because of the trees and the roots, which is why all the zombies have the roots in their faces and everything along those lines. Is that's actually the why they're coming back to life? It's one of the things from the novels, and I think that's why you get such an overwhelming presence of the trees um, and that they're such a big part of the cinematography and it's, 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 uh, it's gorgeous. Right. You watched this on like a new, or it wasn't a new release, but you watched it on Blu-ray for the first time. This is the first time I've seen like, yeah, such a crisp, sharp as uh, a 1080p <laughs> Blu-ray version of it. And it was like, Holy cow, did it look great. Um, and again, you talk about cinematography, seeing all that so crisp and so clean, uh, was just just a treat because there's a lot of those shots that are just very carefully orchestrated with a lot of detail going on, um, and to see all that detail uh, was was just fantastic. Because keep in mind, the first time I ever saw this movie was on a grainy VHS bootleg, uh, and it wasn't like a terrible terrible bootleg, but VHS anything is terrible. So 
And so seeing this, so seeing this that sharp and that gorgeous, it was, it was, it was really nice. Yeah, exactly. Pretty fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, because I wanted to sort of mention, I think that this is a bit of a hard find. It doesn't look like it's on streaming. It's certainly a title I've heard people talk about, but it's not, you know, it's not one of the ones people talk about the most when it comes to Italian horror. Like, well, and that's strange because watching it right now, I felt a certain uh, new relevance to the movie. I actually feel as if the movie has a cultural relevance right now, more so than it did when it came out 30 some years ago or whatever. Um, because uh, let, let's take a look at what the movie's about. The movie's about a a pandemic of sorts of the, they, they call it a pandemic in the movie uh, that is bringing dead people back to life. And you have a guy that is not taking any of the necessary steps. Uh, he doesn't report it to anybody. He doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't want anybody to come in and fix the problem because he would then be out of a job. So he, so he just continues to work through this massive issue that could kill him and possibly the people around him because he doesn't want to lose uh, his, his job, which I feel like is something that you could play into obviously what is happening right around in the world right now, where you have this balance of figuring out, okay, economics versus uh, pandemic and, and plague. How do we balance that? And that's what this movie is. This movie is about that balance of like, Hey, how do I, how do I fix this issue uh, without more people dying? And me also not losing where I live and work. And yeah, for sure. I, I fought a lot about I didn't think about it in terms of like COVID, but I, I definitely fought about his uh, selfishness and kind of, you know, I think the first time I watched this movie, I had because I didn't like I didn't understand that, that oh, this was supposed to be a little bit deeper um so i kind of watched it at face value and i was like man this main character is really an ass because <laughs> the way i read the movie the first time i thought like they were making him out to be like a cool hero right but but i'm like man he's just he doesn't have any heroic qualities uh and then of course the ending happens and, and uh, yeah so uh now when i watch it i'm like yeah i'm definitely thinking about like his selfishness the way you know <laughs> the way he treats his job, the way he treats women, the way yes, yes, kind of yes. everything you can you can very much read read um, this movie with a, a, a present day lens. Yes, and and on on an embarrassing note, when I first saw this a long time ago, I felt like I felt like I related very much to Francesco. And looking back on it now, it's just like, wait, why was I relating with the 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 villain essentially of the movie who's kind of a jerk i probably should not have uh, related to him well listen do you have anything else you want to say about uh de la morte de la morte um just that uh this was the movie uh that <laughs> uh, it, it, i will say that there's no way to watch this movie and not just fall in love with anna falci um because just oh my god just i think that that was one of the first times that I had seen a movie and just was that completely enamored by a person in the movie. Um, Cause she's so stunningly gorgeous that you yourself as a viewer of the movie, when Francesco becomes that obsessive and that in love with her, uh, you get it. You're like, yeah, I, I completely understand everything of those lines. Um, and I thought that was great. And uh, it, it, that was 
I, I really thought for sure that you'd be seeing her in everything after that. And the fact that uh, she was not in a whole bunch more movies was very surprising to me, but that it's great for that. And, and, uh, and also, yeah, I mean, this, it's a movie that is worth watching um, and just sitting back and just going with it because it is, it, it's just, there's, there is a plot, there is a storyline, but it's not really like a solid, it is, it feels like a series of vignettes um, and, and skits almost, but, and they do add up to a greater storyline, uh, but it's just, man, it, 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 I, I just can't explain how fascinating of a movie that it will become and a funnier movie than I think it gets credit for. Some of the lines in there, the one liners will just stick with you. I mean, I, I still quote some of them all the time. I mean, uh, one of the most poignant things I, I don't, this isn't as deep as this is not a deep statement, but it's just something that was stuck with me is when he always says first love doesn't count. It's last love that counts. And I always love that. Cause even just like when you're dealing with like a relationship that goes bad, you know, and it, 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 that always stuck in the back of my head. It was just like, ah, first love doesn't count. It's last love that counts. It's just, this is my last love. That's all. And it's just like things like that. It throws a lot of these like little lines in there um, that are humorous, but they just, they, they just stick with you. And, and, and I love it for that. I was actually thinking about that when I um, was watching the movie. I was like, oh, this dialogue is really sharp, which is kind of uh, well, wild. And I was always curious to see, I, I had, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't do it, but you know, Rupert Everett, when he made this movie was not really that well known. I mean, he was fairly well known internationally, but he sure was not known in the United States. And, but very shortly after this movie happened, he blew up and he became sort of a bigger star in America with, um, uh, my best friend's wedding. I think it was the one. And he became a, a household name here in the U S when that happened. And he started getting all these offers from Hollywood and people were saying, what do you want to make? He actually went to Michel Sovi and was like, hey, uh, people want me to make all these movies over here. I want to make an American version, an American remake over there. These guys will give us a budget to do it. Do you want to do it? And they were going to make an American version of De La Morte Del More with a budget. And Sovi was like, I don't want I don't want to do that. I feel like the movie that I did was the movie I wanted to make. And and they it never, never happened. And I'm. I'm kind of thankful for it, but I'd be interested to see what they would do with it. I, I imagine they'd probably have it more of a right. They probably make it a plot. bit more cohesive. And I guess the only other thing I'll say is that the soundtrack is amazing. It took me a very long time to track it down, but I finally tra- tracked down the soundtrack to listen to, and it is a great soundtrack to just chill and, and listen to because it's that weird, cool '80s synth uh, vibe going. Is this is this the last great Italian horror film? Uh, no. Because in 94, we're getting pretty late for Italian horror, I think. I know, I know. It's definitely more, it's definitely on that weird cusp. Because, I mean, I could definitely assert that nothing that Argento did after that um, was that good. Um, but there, there's definitely, I feel like there's been a couple of cool things. I think I think there's one Argento film that people seem to like. It's, it's, I, I haven't seen it yet, but it, it's the Stendhal Syndrome. It's a, Stendhal Syndrome is okay, but it actually, uh, it's only, it's only okay if you haven't seen um, uh, Tenebrae. Um, because, well, shit. Because <laughs> it, 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 it lifts, it lifts, uh, the twist directly from that movie. 
Um, and it, the Stendhal syndrome had a budget and it was a bigger, it was a more known movie. And actually he, that was when he had some more American distribution, everything going along, along those lines. So I think that he really consciously decided to, um, to just say, all right, well, you know, I, I can, I can use this twist because most of the people uh, here have not seen it. Uh, so, <laughs> so they, so kind of, okay. it, it kind of copies that. Um, but yeah, um, it, 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 it's cool. Uh, I'm, it's, it's definitely not bad, but when you watch it and you're just like, uh, eh, yeah, it, it, I, I kind of figured out what's going to happen because I, I already saw this movie. All right. Well, if someone can come at me on Twitter with, uh, late uh great uh, italian horror films uh on on caliber with the cemetery man and some of the argento stuff i would i would love to hear them do you have anything uh you want to plug or, or say before we wrap this thing up um no nothing that i could really think of i mean just you know obviously check out movie timelines uh on on youtube it's always a we there's weekly horror themed shows there's always something new happening i know yeah every well every friday you get one of the four series um and the the four the friday videos are always horror related uh so if you're a horror fan fridays are for you because they will always be horror related i also do videos on monday which tend to be shorter although some of them get long but I, monday videos tend to be pretty short and the monday videos can can be anything i do comedy sci-fi uh, superhero stuff and i'll do that on monday um so if you just want horror stuff fridays are for you but if you're open to all things uh, i do two videos a week uh, so so check them out cool thank you so much for doing this uh, no problem at all i'm i'm, I'm really thankful to that you have me on here i love i love talking movies so never turn that down if you have any questions about the show hell maybe even you want to be on the show you can reach out to me i am at guest of horror on twitter and on instagram thanks for listening i'll see you next time